When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everyone? Taylor Cowles here for CLNS Media, coming at you with another episode of Pat's Daily, brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. More from them later. It is almost draft season. We're getting closer. We got Senior Bowl next week. Things are starting to pick up. The collision where the NFL and the draft and all these different things tend to meet is finally starting to separate a little bit. And everybody wants to know, there's been so much talk about, are the Patriots going to get a quarterback? What quarterback should the Patriots get? I don't have a great answer for you yet because I'm still going through the tape and trying to figure these guys out. So I enlisted the help of somebody who's been watching these guys well before me and is one of the best in the game when it comes to breaking down quarterbacks. That is my buddy Derek Class and friend of the show. Does the NFL draft for Bleacher Report, QB charting for reception, perception, perception, and member of the 33rd team. Derek, how are you doing, brother? I'm I'm doing good. You know, like I said a little bit before pre-show, tired. Very glad that we're almost to where we can just focus on draft stuff. And then I think we'll really kick into high gear. So, so close. So first of all, just get your overall perspective on this class. You know, is it top heavy? Is there like, you know, more gems than people realize? Because we're going to get into a lot of these guys that people are going to be hearing about for a while. So what's your take on it? I think it's a good quarterback class. I also think people are overstating the amount of like true first round quarterbacks that there are. I, I obviously, you know, we're going to talk about them, but Drake may Caleb Williams don't have to think about it. Top five picks, easy money. And then I think at this point, you know, Jaden Daniels is probably going to go top 10. JJ McCarthy might get into the first round at this point. Uh, Michael Penix might get into the first round. There's like a off chance. Bo Nix gets into the first round. I don't know how many of those guys actually deserve first round grades um, or at least like surefire where you feel really good at, about it. Some of them, maybe you could, you could, you know, rationalize as like a dice roll, but I think there's only really two guys where you're like, yeah, this feels like a really, really good bet for a franchise quarterback. So the other guys are more flawed and you, you might have to, you know, live with some flaws um, mm -hmm. even though they might be okay prospects. So before we get into these guys, I got a few questions just so people can kind of understand where you're coming from. So first of all, when you're going through quarterback prospects, what is your prospect? What, wow, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> what is your process for looking through these prospects and how you tend to go about it when it comes to raking and grading and evaluating these guys? Yeah, um, so I'll actually start by kind of describing how I do my quarterback charting. When I do my quarterback charting for prospects, what I actually like to do is I'll chart every game that they've done, obviously from their most recent season. But before that, I'll chart four games from their previous season, if if they have one. Obviously, like Anthony Richardson last year didn't have anything to go off of. He only had his most recent season. But if they have a previous season to go off of, I'll start with four games there just to kind of get a baseline for who they are. And then you can really start to understand like, okay, where did this guy progress, you know, in the following year, or maybe his stats got worse and you can say, okay, well, I saw what they were last year and I saw what the team is this year. Maybe the offensive line got worse. And that was really more the problem than the quarterback. So I think to me, it kind of gets a little bit more of a holistic understanding of, of who the player is. And, and to that point, 
progression and development from a player is a skill. Like it, mm-hmm. to be able to see that from a player is huge. Like I, I've brought this up a million times, but for me in, in college, Lamar Jackson was like the pinnacle of that, where you saw him as a freshman, you were like, okay, dude's talented. He can kind of play quarterback, but we'll see where this goes. Sophomore year, obviously he's the best player in the country. And then junior year, even though he didn't win the Heisman again, he was just so much more developed as a passer. And it was like, okay, if this guy can get this much better in, in three seasons as a guy who's like 20 years old, he's probably probably going to be able to figure it out at the NFL level. And obviously he has, he might be the best quarterback in the NFL, not named Patrick Mahomes right now. So um, those are some of the stuff I look at. And then kind of similar to all of that, the first game or two I watch of a quarterback, I'm trying not to judge them as harshly. I'm more trying to understand, okay, what is the offense asking of them? What are some of the conditions they're having to deal with, whether it's offensive line play or how the receivers, you know, handle themselves, all that sort of stuff. So, and then you can start to judge what they're actually asked to do within an offense. So that's kind of the the baseline I try to get when I start to go into evaluate these guys. And is that usually like chronologically? Is it like I want to see what they do against the best competition and maybe not so much against the lesser guys unless their performance really stands out? How do you usually go about it? Because I I feel like I bounce around depending on like the prospect and sometimes just how I'm feeling on the day. Yeah, I, I mean, with quarterbacks specifically, because I try to chart every game, I do go chronological just so you can kind of get that feel of like, okay, how is he progressing through the season? And we'll we'll talk about this quarterback in a little bit, but I think that's going to be kind of a point I bring up with Caleb Williams, um, just kind of how he progressed over the course of the season. Now, I think that stuff is is valuable to understand because like there is value in like just watching the the four best teams that he played against or something like that. But if it's kind of sporadic and jumped around, you might not get as good of a, of a gauge of how this player has progressed throughout the season. And again, I, I think being able to progress and, and learn things throughout the season and between seasons is, is really important to me. Makes a lot of sense. So when you're looking at the game in terms of traits, what are the things that are the most important to you and to kind of differentiate guys more than maybe some other things? Number one for me is a lot of the time is pocket feel. Like you, you have to be able to manage NFL pockets. Um, this was actually a big reason last year why I was really, really high on Anthony Richardson. This, despite some of the inconsistencies elsewhere, you know, some of the misfires, you know, his processing could be, it wasn't bad, but it was, you wanted it to speed up a little bit. But the way he managed the pocket was like, dude, this guy is afraid of nothing. He knows how to move. He keeps his base under him. Like that's an NFL quarterback and that to me is 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 something that's going to translate more often than not um and so that's a really big one to me um i I would say i don't think every prospect i need to see has to be like come into the league as like a drew Brees level processor but i think you want to see a consistent process it might not be a perfect process but like you can come out of watching five games of a quarterback and go okay he might not be great at everything but i understand the way that he wants to play the game and i know if if we call this play what we're going to get out of it good or bad and i think that you know having that is important because it kind of helps your play caller at the next level be able to shape what the offense wants to do with you whereas if you're a little bit bouncing all over the place it can be kind of hard to put to put together consistent offense in certain ways um and then the other obvious one is arm talent like you it's it, the NFL is a talent league, man. Like you, you can get away with a lot of stuff in college, but in the NFL, like you've got to be able to just make certain throws and um, you can get away with having a couple of clubs missing from your bag. But at a certain point, you, you've, you've got to have most of them. And so I think if, you know, if there are certain throws you can't make, 
you might be able to live in the NFL. Like Tua is an example. Like he can live, but you know that there's a cap at a certain point because there's just throws that he cannot make. Mm, it makes a lot of sense, especially and especially now with all these edge rushers and everything. Like you're having to throw a platform. You yes. know, you're not always going to be able to have a good base under you. So you're seeing the differences. Like I forget where I saw it, but somebody was talking about maybe it was Stephen Ruiz about how a lot of the best quarterbacks are so good at that throw where you're drifting back and they kind of fade away where you can just launch that thing. Because I mean, if like they're just sending an all-out blitz and you can do that, Patrick Mahomes, where you back up, back up, back up, and then you mm-hmm. give a little bit of time and just fire that thing, like. In the big games, those are the kind of things that make a difference. Or if they want to heat you up, can you beat them with your arm? I love that. Now, speaking of Mahomes, I feel like he's someone who tends to be one of the poster children for it's like, you know, in college, you know, I mean, I think they're kind of overrated. But in terms of like having deficiencies in college and then you get to the NFL and when you get the right offensive coordinator and coaching around you, you can start to kind of wean those things out, survive on some of your talent and the things you come in that are your pros and then start to wean those out. And then sometimes you see that they never really go away. Like with Josh Allen, for example, you see the, you know, that golden retriever mentality. He's had that since college and he's real back on it, but you still see the games where it's like, all right, bad Josh Allen came out to play today. So what are some deficiencies that you think are kind of reasonable to expect with good coaching and, you know, a good supporting cast can be kind of iron out in within the first contract let's say and what are even some you know positive qualities that you think kind of get overblown when it comes to evaluating these guys i mean i would say footwork is definitely the thing that that you can improve on i actually there are like two sections of footwork right like one there's like in your drop back and then like cycling through your progressions and then there's how do i keep my base under me when i'm moving around i think the second one is is a little bit more innate like you you kind of have that sense of how to keep yourself balanced or you don't i think being able to stay on balance and on pace throughout your drop back and like as you cycle one to two to three i think that is very very coachable like that was something kind of you know patrick mahomes kind of struggled with josh allen to your point Dude, Josh Allen's footwork when he came into the league and really his first two years in the league was horrible. Like he was just all over the place, overstriding, never really had his his uh, his front foot set where it needed to be. Uh, but now he's one of the cleanest quarterbacks in the league because he he worked at it and he, he understood how to make it work for his body. And like it, that's, I think, one of the things where um, with enough time, with enough reps, if you're really willing to work at it, you, you can kind of fix that. So I think footwork is definitely the big one. Another thing, this is going to be, this is going to be weird to say, but like, I think sometimes the like trait that can be overblown a little bit is accuracy in the sense of, I think sometimes we're just bad at understanding like what is and isn't accurate at the college level. Um, Like again, Anthony Richardson last year, like he was having to make so many difficult throws into so many tight windows that I think people just thought because he wasn't completing them, they were like, oh, well, he's not accurate. And it's like, but if you watch the way that he's trying to place the ball around defenders, trying to make these throws work that are really, really difficult, I think you could can work with that. And I think he even showed early in his NFL career, like he's accurate enough that this is going to figure itself out. So I think the guys that are like kind of super pinpoint accurate in college, it's going to translate, but like sometimes we overrate it, like not to bag on Tua again, but like that was obviously Tua's thing coming out of college and he's been good at that in the NFL. But at a certain point, you, you kind of need a little bit more than just that one, two, three rhythm accuracy. And then the way the receivers actually adjust to the ball can yes. make the pass look very different. If it's Dude, clean, it... Mm. That, was, that was the Anthony Richardson of Florida thing. I swear to God, <laughs> I have never, ever seen power five receivers adjust to the ball as poorly in the air as they did. And they made so many like 
reasonably accurate throws look so bad. Whereas like if um if he was at Washington this year and playing with those receivers, they would have been accurate because Romo Dunes knows how to find the ball. Jalen Polk knows how to find the ball. Jalen McMillan knows how to find the ball. And so, and to, yeah, exactly. To your point, sometimes the receivers can just make stuff look, look uglier. Whereas there's still some of that in the NFL, but these dudes are pros and there's less of that in the NFL for sure. Right. Right. All right. Before we actually get into these prospects, we got to pay the bills. So quick word from our pals at FanDuel and we'll be back. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, pick a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston. And make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, so we're going to start these out with the quarterbacks that you have ranked who you think are going to go in the first round. Now, I want your evaluations and also little hints of how they could fit in the Patriots system. Now, of course, there's the awkward caveat of the Patriots don't have a system right now. They don't have an offensive <laughs> coordinator. But we have seen that it's very clear they're trying to go to that Sean McVay type of tree. So just assuming that's the kind of offense they want to implement, which also – it's still awkward because it's a system that's very adaptable. We've seen it go through Jared Goff. We've seen it go through Matthew Stafford. They were outside zone. Now they're super duo heavy. So they are adaptable, but of course there are some key tenants to each system that tend to carry over. So what you think of each of these guys, and then of course, how you think they could potentially fit in that offense. So first up, this is a fun one. I remember I was like, oh, we're getting spicy. Okay, Drake May, let us know. Why is he QB1 instead of, I feel like most people's consensus, Caleb Williams? I'm going to start it off very, very simply. Look at all of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. I'm going to leave off Lamar because he's kind of like an outlier in terms of the, the way that he's built. All of those dudes are like 6'3 plus, 220 plus. They're built like cyborgs and they're really good athletes. 
Guess what Drake May is? He's 6'3 plus, 220 plus, and he's a really damn good athlete. And he's got an arm. Like all those dudes obviously have really, really good arms. So I think you kind of just start from the standpoint of like he is built and athletically has the tools of all of the guys who are at the elite level. And then I, I, I watch him play and man, he's just got all the stuff that I love. Like I talked about pocket presence earlier. I think the way that he manages the pocket is is fantastic. There are a couple of times where he does the Madden drop thing where he like kind of just shuffles back from pressure when probably he shouldn't and can run himself into trouble. But um, I think that's kind of just something you live with. I think generally he does a really good job of knowing when and, and where to move in the pocket. And the other thing that is especially impressive to me about that is there are certain guys that understand how to preempt pressure. Like they know where it's coming from before they snap and they know where they're going to be able to move instead of just like reacting in the moment. Um, like Caleb is more of a like react in the moment guy. And he obviously he it's, it works for him. He's incredible. Um, but Drake may has this quality to him where he understands where it's coming from. And he'll know that he can like, as soon as he even gets the snap, he'll start drifting a little bit because he knows where it's coming from. Like Trevor Lawrence had this quality. Um, if you watch guys like Matthew Stafford, he has this quality. Tom Brady obviously had this quality they just know where it's coming from and they can like they won't even get pressured even when they should because they know how to beat it so obviously i think that's that's really impressive from him the arm talent is <laughs> crazy like it, it's probably it's not so quite as good as like justin herbert but it feels like pretty close to that that level like he's not going to be in that s tier but he's going to be right in that tier under that where it's like, okay, right. he can do everything and he can throw outside the pocket really well. He can throw on the move, different platforms. You know, the stuff you mentioned about that Steven Ruiz was talking about where he can make that like kind of just flicks back and uses his core. Like he can do all that stuff. Um, and then the other thing, like everyone is so excited about Caleb as like this, this creative, like he can, he can do all this crazy stuff. And obviously he has that. Drake may has a lot of that dude. Like right. he plays completely unhinged. <laughs> like he does some crazy stuff sometimes probably to his detriment, but like he's probably more like Josh Allen than I think, than yes. I think people realize. Like, I think he gets yes. billed as a little bit more of like the clean cut pocket passer in this class. He's, he tries to do some insane stuff. Um, but even to the point of Josh Allen, he's not as athletic as Josh Allen, but he's also a really good runner. I, I think in a straight line, he's, he's probably the most athletic quarterback in this class outside of Jaden Daniels. Um, Caleb is a little bit quicker, a little bit like shiftier, but I think just like purely in a straight line when he's striding, Drake make a move. <laughs> like that dude goes. So I don't know. He's, he just has a lot of stuff for me that it's like, from a from a tools perspective he's got everything and then i watched like i said some of the way that he'll process stuff pre-snap some of the decisions he's making with where to put the ball relative to defenders is really impressive like he just he's got everything in the bag like there, there's really not that much that i i could ask for that he doesn't already have I feel like he gets a bad rap because of where he goes to school and also yes. because you see those like crazy Josh Allen plays. And I'm kind of guilty of this. Honestly, there was one game where he did it a ton. I think it was against Duke. And I'm like, he's got a little bit of Mac Jones in him where he's just like, oh, my God, what are you doing? But the difference is it works. He's got the athleticism to actually make these things happen and pull them off. And also his vision. Like, just the fact that it's like that Josh Allen thing where, like, this weekend I'm watching Lamar Jackson. I'm seeing shades of Jaden Daniels where it's just, like, it terrifies you as a defense because even if you do everything right, he can kill you. And with Josh Allen where it's, like, you know, the whole thing where it's, like, 
um, next gen stats where I think he's like six for six throwing one yard from the sideline or something like that, where that's not what Drake does, but it's a similar thing where you think the play is dead. I posted it's like two minutes of Drake may being chaotic against Duke because you think he's going down and then he flicks it to somebody and it feels like he always knows where the outlet is and he has enough of an arm where even if it's not a perfect throw, when you think the play is dead, he can still get it out. And especially when he gets himself into trouble, I feel like all these young guys, at some point, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to, you know, make a boneheaded decision where, oh, now we're dealing with third and 12 because, you know, there was that play where, like, he decides to run out of bounds and loses two yards instead of throwing it away. But then a couple plays later, he converts because he's got a crazy arm and all this talent. So I feel like he's the best fit for that kind of McVay system because I do see shades of the Stafford where it's not the same, but you see some of the eye manipulation pre-snap. You see the like ability to adjust his arm slot. So in your opinion, do you think he's probably the best fit of these guys in that kind of system? I, th- I think so. And and Stafford is really the, the perfect comparison. Like we've, or even it's a little bit more of, again, like a, kind of different offshoot of this offense but even like Gino he kind of has some of like the qualities Mm. of like the certain throws that he's willing to make the the caliber of arm talent where again like Gino like I just said with May isn't in the S tier of arm but he's probably in that next tier where it's like this dude can gun it just about anywhere that he wants to and he has that just just toughness in the pocket and obviously Stafford has that Gino has that so I think he's probably like that version of quarterback in this offense where like you can do a little bit more drop back. Don't need to be as under center as much. Don't need to do as much of the boot stuff. You can kind of lean into the more, we're going to throw a bunch of dig routes <laughs> over the middle and, and we're going to trust that our quarterback can make him. So I definitely think he's, he's the best fit for this offense and and just flatly the, the best quarterback period. And I miss that also just his ability to throw over the middle of the field. It's just, I, yeah. I haven't seen anybody in this class do it better on a consistent basis. If you take the crossers away, he'll throw the post and it's going to be on the money. Like outside I was watching, I feel like sometimes throwing a nine route, he doesn't always lead his receiver. Sometimes yeah. I got to stop or slow down, but over the middle, it's like, no, he's putting that thing wherever the hell he wants. And it, oh, it's exciting. I'm glad we're on the same page. I feel like people just don't because you see like the Caleb and the Jaden and all the exciting plays they make. But I think I agree. I really do think that Drake is that guy, but moving on Caleb. So QB two, what do you think? Caleb's awesome. I like people are going to be mad that he's court. He's quarterback too, but like, it's pretty neck and neck, man. Like yeah. these guys are really, really good. And I wouldn't fault anybody for having uh Caleb quarterback one, obviously like he, he does some stuff that Drake just doesn't. Um, Caleb is funny because I've kind of come full circle in a way where coming into the season, he actually was my quarterback one. And I was like, man, this guy, like the arm talent, the arm elasticity, the athleticism, it's incredible. Um, The creativity is awesome. I don't love his process sometimes, but like it's good enough and he'll figure it out. And then I, I watched like his first like four or five games this, uh, this season, not, not some of them like studying, but some of them just live. And I was like, he looks a little off like he's like i don't know if it's like the when trevor lawrence had his final year and he just kind of didn't play very well the early the beginning of the season it, it kind of felt like something like that so i was like ah, maybe he's not exactly what i thought he was but then i actually just finished charting him like all of you know all of through his 2023 season by the end of it i was like yeah this guy is, is pretty damn good man like he's got all the stuff that i want like um what really impressed me actually was his pocket presence is way better than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he can do all the crazy stuff to get outside of the pocket and go create and, and do all the twirling around and whatever it is that he does to get out of pressure. But there are there are like three, four instances a game on tape where he's eyes up, strong base under him, and then he'll go make a throw. And it's like, okay, like 
maybe you're not going to do this quite to the same consistency as as a Drake May or whatever, but like you clearly can do it. And this is going to be part of your game, even though you're a little bit of a shorter quarterback. So I think that was was really impressive to me. Obviously, the arm talent and is just it's it's incredible. Like the, the some of the throws that he can get away with and make are just amazing. And to me, it's not even just like the raw velocity that he can get. He throws with such incredible touch for how hard he throws the ball. And then he can do it from any arm angle. He can do the the fading back. He can do it on the run. He'll do some weird stuff. Like he threw like four like skyhook passes this year where he's literally like hooking it over his helmet. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? And it works because he just has this. Yeah, it's like, ah, whatever, man. If you if you're gonna complete it, do whatever you want. But he just has this like way of of just manipulating his arm to do whatever it, it it needs to. And it's, it's, it's incredible to watch. It's really rare. Like that's where the Mahomes comps are too much, but that's the one spot where I watch it. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if any other quarterback is doing it the way that, that that guy's doing it. So I thought that was really impressive. And then what I really wanted to touch on with Caleb too, actually was his process. I think he gets knocked a little bit too much for being like the creative chaos, go do whatever I want. I know where this is going. I don't, act, I don't actually think it's that bad. And especially mm-hmm. as I got towards the end of the season, I thought he was progressing at being able to just like stay in the pocket, go one to two to three, do what I need to do, you know, get through my reads and make the right decisions. I think what like trips people up is there's one, maybe two instances a game where they'll call a quick game concept and he's just like, I don't want to throw it. And it's like, okay, I mean, <laughs> if you can go create and do whatever you want, because you think that you can, you know, you need 15 yards here and you don't want five fine, but he does it kind of consistently. And again, it's in a way where it's like, okay, I understand what I'm getting here. Like, mm-hmm. I know that he's just going to have one or two of these plays a game where he just does that. I really don't think it's that he can't see it or, He's not understanding what the defense is giving him because there are plenty of instances to me where he'll see a blitz, boom, replaces it. Or he sees certain leverage on a coverage, boom, hits it. And it's like, I know he can do these things. He just one or two times a game is like, I'm Superman. I'm going to go be Superman. And he's talented enough to go do it. So I really think he's incredible. Me putting him at quarterback two is is no knock on him. I just slightly prefer Drake May. But but Caleb is is amazing. And in terms of I know you got some beef with their offense. Yeah. And just like how, to, how it's structured. So I know people think of him and it's like, oh, he's got so many bad habits. He's going to bring those into the league. How much of it do you think was him being Superman because he truly had to? Because some of these concepts just weren't very good and just the talent around him. And do you think that when he gets to the next level, if he has good structure around him, that's something he can resolve relatively quickly? I do. Um, and, and yeah, again, the offense, I just don't really like how it's structured to me. I, I think I tweeted something like this. It's like an experiment. And how many times can you run RPOs to the flat and then run wheel routes? Like that's the offense. Like that's all that they're trying to do. They'll throw a couple of stick routes in there just to, to spice it up. But um, it's really infuriating to me when I watch. And then honestly, what, what's really infuriating to me is like when they do try to do some other stuff, like with intermediate passing concepts, I don't know if it's that they give receivers freedom or if they're just not teaching it well, but like guys are ending up in really weird landmarks and like clearly not on the same page as Caleb. And so like he'll throw to a spot receiver overruns it or Caleb is throwing to a spot receiver settles down. And it's like, I don't think this is on Caleb because the res- all the receivers are doing it consistently. This to me feels like it's kind of baked into the Riley cliff offense to have a little bit of like, freedom and creativity i actually think caleb would benefit if we could just be like guys 
hit the landmark. I know where to make the throw. I'm going to get it there. My footwork might be a little weird. My timing might be a little weird, but I'm going to get the ball there. Um, And so I actually think that if he gets into a more, you know, proper sound NFL offense, I actually have pretty good faith that he's, you know, maybe not year one, maybe it takes a year or two like Josh Allen, but I I think he's going to be just fine. And it's obviously, like you said, the Mahomes comps aren't fair, but like a Mahomes where Andy Reid's like, hey, the first two and a half seconds of the play are mine. If he can get Caleb into a structured system where he can actually feel comfortable doing that, that's when it gets really exciting because then he's comfortable actually operating within the structure of the play. And if it breaks down, that's when the magic starts to happen. I really hope he gets in a good landing spot and they don't just waste all of his talent. Moving on to QB3. Jaden Daniels. Now, there's been a lot of talk about him moving up the board, probably seeking into that QB2 category. Talk is usually that he could jump over uh, uh, Drake May, but you have Drake as QB1. So do you think there's a chance that he could jump either one of these guys? How high do you think he could potentially be taken, you know, in a sense that it would be reasonable and not a team just kind of reaching for him? I think it's possible only on the basis of like, he is very clearly the best athlete at the position in this class. And he has a good enough arm. Like, but, but just when you watch him athletically, it's like, okay, nobody is going to be able to run as fast in the open field as him. Nobody is as quick as him. Like not even Caleb, like Caleb is about as quick and, and agile as you can get for a quarterback. Daniels is even better than that. Like, it's crazy how, how much of an athlete he really is. And I could totally see. Yeah, it's a different speed, bro. Like some of the clips against like Florida specifically. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't know how you're moving like that at this position. <laughs> it's 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 like legitimately Lamar, like RG3, Justin Fields-esque, like where you're just like, he's at a different caliber of athlete than everybody else on the field. Um, so I would get how that could entice a team. I, I just don't think it should happen though. Like he's, um, as a passer, I think he's he's fine and like has a lot of uh, of interesting traits, but I don't think he's even close to these other two um, as a passer. Just in terms of, and I'll say I'll start with the good. Actually, I actually really appreciate his pocket presence. That dude is yeah. tough as nails, um, and he has a decent understanding of of where to move and how to get. Like I don't think it's as good as Drake May or even Caleb, but he has enough of an NFL baseline of understanding where to move. Um, and keep himself clean that I, I think he should be able to function there. Um, and then he throws pretty decent when his when his uh, platform is crowded. Like, I don't think that's that much of an issue for him. I think he can figure that out. The arm talent is, is I think, acceptable. I, I think he throws it really well down the field, and that, like, kind of inflates how good his arm seems. I think sometimes he struggles throwing outside the numbers a little bit, but not to the degree of, like, Tua or Mac Jones or anything. I think it's more just, like, Jared Goff, where it's like, this. he can do it, but maybe this isn't the best throw in, it's in his It's not a focal bag. point. Yeah, yeah, it's like we're gonna try to not do this as much as we can, but he can get away with it. Um, I do think, on the other hand, though, what bugs me a little bit with with him is where, like I mentioned with Caleb, his process might not be perfect, but I know what it is. Like I know mm-hmm. what I'm getting when a certain thing is is happen, uh, when a certain concept is called, when a certain thing happens to him, whatever. With Jaden Daniels, it's a lot more confusing to me like he i just don't understand some of the decisions that he's making like he'll get a man zone indicator with with motion and then he just like won't throw the route that you're supposed to throw and then he'll just i I, like i just don't understand what he's doing and then there will be certain times where he's very willing to turn and make a backside dig throw other times where he just has no interest in doing it and will throw a slot fade that is clearly covered and it's like 
I just can't get a good gauge of exactly where he's at because, like I said, he has these flashes where he can go one to two to three, step up in the pocket, dig route, or like backside post, or, or get to a check down. Like he has these moments where he looks like an NFL processor. It's just inconsistent. And so to me, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword where it's like, okay, I feel good that coming into the league, he'll have an okay baseline. Like we can get him to a functional spot. It's just a matter of like, how consistent are we ever going to get him when like, this is a dude who's played for five years. And if he's still a little bit inconsistent at this point, you wonder like how far he can really go. It was the same concern I had with Kenny Pickett. Obviously Pickett was a lot less talented, so it it hurt him more to to be that way. I mean, and Daniels is more talented and, and tougher than that. But I do have that same concern where it's like, you've already played a lot and you're still a little, up and down it, it gives me some concerns so i think he's actually a pretty high floor prospect mm-hmm. i just think the passing ceiling is like i, I don't know if he's ever going to be in that like elite elite tier i was actually curious what you think his ceiling is because i know watching him with drake and even with caleb maybe not as consistently but i feel like they stay on schedule very well like yeah. drake knows all right it's not really here i should run it even if he misses something it's like all right he understands he's athletic enough to stay ahead of the chains and it's like really consistent drives with Jaden, i'm like i just don't see it i feel yeah. like these drives are really clunky and he's not really but then rips off a 50 yard run and it's like all right yeah in the league like he's probably gonna make these same mistakes where like you said especially with the over the middle stuff where he'll be looking right at it it's like what are we waiting yeah, for? I'm like, throw it, bro. <laughs> and he doesn't. And it's weird because you'd expect from a mobile quarterback. It's like, oh, he's just looking to run. It's like, no, he's very good. He'll stay in the pocket forever, but he doesn't throw the ball. So at the next level, where do you think a good quarterback coach can get him? And, you know, I feel like a lot of the talk about him is he's on that trajectory where every year he's gotten better, but he is an older prospect. So do you think when he gets to the NFL, it's like a Jalen Hurts thing where obviously this season was a little funky, but where he can kind of continue that ascension and just learns really quickly? Or is that something where it's more kind of innate and it might take him longer than you might want with the understanding that, of course, with that athleticism and the ability to like rip off these crazy long runs or just drop it in the bucket like 40, 50 yards downfield down the sideline to kind of make up for it. Do you think he can become more consistent where those things help his game instead of kind of being a crutch where he's having to deal with all the other deficiencies? I think that Jalen Hurts, like, I don't think they're one-to-one as players or anything, but I think right. that tier-ish of quarterback where it's like, he's above average, he does some thir- certain things really, really well that you can build the offense around, and he gets, like, kind of better, like, 2% better every year, but you know mm-hmm. that, like, it's going to be really hard for that. How do I describe this? Like, I think there are certain prospects where, like, there's there can be a light bulb moment where they become something unbelievable. Like Josh Allen, obviously like Josh Allen, you could see that he had all these physical tools and it just, he needed this light bulb moment to where he could be incredible. I, I struggle to see how that's going to happen with Jaden Daniels. Cause again, he's mm-hmm. played so long and he's played in like relatively pro style passing offenses. Like the stuff they were doing at LSU was like real deal stuff, bro. Like they're, they're throwing real football concepts and he, mm-hmm. um, you know, see, so, so he's already got reps in this stuff. It's not going to be that much of a learning curve in that sense. So I think kind of in that Jalen hurts tier where it's like, you can get him to be quarterback, nine to 15 just like depending on some of the circumstances and, and other other stuff like that so um i think that's probably like the best case scenario my comparison for him actually doesn't make that much sense relative to that I, to me he feels like he has tyrod's tools 
but like with Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick's brain, where he's like very <laughs> willing to stay in the pocket, very willing to make some insane throws, very willing to get himself killed by a linebacker. <laughs> I feel like that Looney Tunes play is starting to go over yes. Twitter where he just like <laughs> that's the biggest thing, also is huge. And when we talk about size, with Drake, for me, I don't want to be freaking John Elway in the Broncos where I'm like, he has to be 6'4 and all this stuff. Like, I think that's a bit overrated. But with Drake, it's like, you know, he's going to be able to take some big hits and he'll be able to survive. Jaden's tough as hell and he's taking big hits and hasn't had any significant injuries that I know of. But the fact that he is still willing to get leveled and then it's like, that's your worst case scenario where it looks like a welcome to the NFL moment where it's like, oh, I can take this hit. No, not only can you not take the hit, Ball's gone the other way. Like, that's the thing with him where on top of some of the passing deficiencies, it's like, yeah, but he also might get himself killed. And then you invest all this, then you're probably down a quarterback. And it it, it kind of does scare me. But at the same time, the athleticism, it's like if he learns to slide and protect himself, then you got a real problem on your hands because he's going to walk into the league as probably the second best scrambler. And then moving on past the first round, now we're moving into the day two prospects First one we're going to talk about is Bo Nix. Now, I saw Dane Brugler, who I, I love his stuff. He is one of the most knowledgeable draft resources on the planet, I think. Uh, he actually had the Patriots in, I think it was his latest mock draft, taking Marvin Harrison Jr. and then Bo Nix. And I feel like he's one of the most polarizing guys in this class, where I see people being like, uh, no, I'm going to have him higher than other people. I really like him. And other people are like, yeah, no, he's fine. But like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. So where do you stand on him? I feel like I'm kind of like the, a Bo Nix like centrist. <laughs> We're like, I think he's okay. Like, I, I don't think he's that bad. Like, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I, I don't think like, I see a world where at the very back end of the first round, if you want to make take the swing, I wouldn't do it. But I get it. Like, I, I mean, shoot, if Kenny Pickett can, can go in the first round, Bo Nix can go in the first round. Like, he's more talented than that. Um, but he's he kind of. I'll start with like he kind of has the Jaden Daniels thing of like you've played a lot of football and you're still a little bit inconsistent in certain areas. Like to me, um, the inconsistency with Bo is more Jaden Daniels will like his decision-making will fluctuate and you won't know exactly what you're going to get with Bo. It's just like, he is a little bit late and just won't trigger on certain stuff. Um, and obviously I think part of that is the, the Oregon offense, like kind of runs a BS offense. And so it's, when they actually call real concepts, like he just isn't as practiced on them as, as he is on some of their other stuff that they're some of the simpler stuff that he's doing. And I think he's not like all the way confident in it. And I think you can see that hurt him, especially on some throws outside the numbers. Um, those are, those are the hardest throws to make if you're, if you're going to be late, cause the sideline is like the extra defender. Right. Um, so those are really tough. The other thing with Nick's is his, his footwork is really, he'll get really bouncy and he'll be late because of his feet, which I think is really annoying. And I said earlier that you can fix footwork. Uh, you can fix like drop back footwork. And I think that's really his biggest issue. But again, he's played for five seasons in multiple systems. Like you're 23, 24 years old, man. Like you should have this a little <laughs> bit more figured out than you do at this point. Um, so that's some of the stuff that, that does bother me with Nick's. Um, he, he's he, like, when you have these older players, like I said, who are not, don't feel complete yet. That is always going to bother me at the same time. He's got the tools, dude. Like he's, I mean, he's built, he, he's, uh, I think he's like kind of has the same dimensions as like Jalen hurts. Um, 
he, he's I don't think he's quite as rocked up as, as Jalen Hurts is, but that dude can squat 600 or whatever. So it's a little bit, a little <laughs> bit of a different, <laughs> a different category. Um, but I, I think he's kind of similar in that sense. Um, athletically, I think he's really quick and he's very it's not just that he's quick, but he kind of has the Caleb ish quality to him where he's as soon as he sees color flash, he knows to go and he knows where to go mm-hmm. and he'll get out. He's very agile, all that sort of stuff in the open field. He's like pretty good runner. He can get you for 20 yards. If you let him, he's not going to be Jaden Daniels, but like he can go get yards if you need him to. And I think in the NFL nowadays, you got to have a guy who can at least go get you 10 when, when, you know, when you need it every now and then. And I think he can go do that. And then you can use him as a designed runner a little bit in the red zone. And I think that's, mm-hmm. That's pretty valuable Um, in terms of his arm talent. I think it's pretty good. Like, I don't think, again, I don't think it's elite, but like he can rip some of the posts they put in this offense. Um, He can rip some throws over the middle. I think especially off platform, he's one of those guys where, you know, sometimes you see quarterbacks who have even good arms when they throw off platform, they just lose a little something or they lose Mm -hmm. a little bit bit of control. I don't think that's an issue with Knicks. I I think he throws pretty well outside the pocket and on the move. I think he can maintain that sort of stuff. Um, So He's he's to me a dice roll. I'm kind of willing to take on day two on day two. I want to be clear about the day two <laughs> um, because I just think when you look at the tools, uh, you know, the athletic ability, the arm talent, some of his creativity, I think is actually pretty impressive. I think it's worth seeing if you can get something out of him again. I think you might have to simplify the offense for him a little bit. Probably never going to be an elite processor, but you could reasonably get, I think, decent starting quarterback play out of him. So in this hypothetical situation, if the Patriots have their shot at Drake May or Jaden Daniels and they decide uh, we're going to get a ridiculous wide receiver, maybe even if it's like a Joel or someone like that, where it's like you walk into the NFL and you're one of the best players at your position day one, and then they do get Bo Nix. Is that going to be the kind of thing where if you're a Pats fan, you're like, I can talk myself into it maybe? Or is it like, no, that's a decent choice. Like, you know, you don't. I feel like because there's all these super powered quarterbacks, like you think you need that generational guy, but it's still a team sport. Like if you've got a good offensive line, good protection, you're not running for your life and you've got you know, one star receiver and a bunch of guys who do their job. Is that the kind of situation where you think they're a legitimate playoff contender moving forward pretty quickly? Or is it like, yeah, but you passed up on a kind of player that could be in certain ways, a generation, not generational prospect, but like a potential blue chip prospect. If you develop them well, who can kind of rise all ships even if the supporting cast isn't great, what is it? I, that was a long-winded question, but no. how would you feel about either one of those scenarios? I, I would not pass up on Drake May if, if he's there for <laughs> for Bo Nix. I definitely would not do that. But if if either the you know the quarterbacks they want are gone, or or like you said, they draft Joe Alt, whatever it is, I do think you can get like reasonably productive play out of Nix. And I actually my comparison for him is Jalen Hurts because I think you would kind of build the offense the same way where you want to protect him up front because he does kind of have like I don't think he's completely averse to pressure, but he's a little bit inconsistent in some of the ways that he'll handle it within the pocket. Um, and so like, you kind of need to protect him the way that Hertz is protected in that sense. And then I think the way that the offense functions in Philadelphia, at least last year when it was good was a lot of like, okay, we're going to run RPOs. We're going to throw a bunch of corner routes to our tight end corners and sailor routes. We're going to throw as many go balls as we can get away with to our, to our really good receivers. And we're going to kind of try to just hone in on a few things and spam that over and over again, and then use the quarterback in the run game. I don't think Nick's is going to be as effective as Jalen hurts, but he can be as effective a runner as Daniel Jones and Daniel Jones is a pretty dang good runner. And so I think that you can get that style of offense and you can get, I think like top half offense out of a player like that. Again, like I, 
I don't know. It's not like a certainty, but I think that's like, if you take that in, in the second round or something, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities at all. I don't think the Pats would have scoffed that last season. I think that might have gotten them in the range where they couldn't get a really good quarterback if they had yeah, somebody like that. <laughs> All right, moving on. We got J.J. McCarthy, another really polarizing guy because it seemed like the Michigan offense had everything in their power not to feature him. He always has, like, you know, especially – I forget which bowl game it was where he, it was the flea flicker where he gets nailed and still delivers a pretty ball downfield. But oh, like, yeah. there are those little flashes where you're like, all right, damn, JJ, I kind of see it with you. But at the same time, it's kind of funky where even in a run heavy offense, you don't really see him as a player who gets a lot of attention. So, what are your thoughts on JJ McCarthy? He's another one where. Okay, when I first started watching him, especially this year, I was like, I'm out. I, I don't care. I don't want to see this. He <laughs> looks like Zach Wilson. Some of the ways that he throws looks like Zach Wilson. Like the way he moves feels very Zach Wilson. Uh, New York Jets, Zach Wilson, like this year's where it's like he's halfway competent, but like not good. He felt a lot like that when I watched him. I've actually started to chart him a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm coming around a little bit to like what what he is. Um yeah. Some of the stuff that impressed me, I think the way he he handles himself pre-snap is actually pretty good. Like some of the best in this class. I think whenever the, in that offense, they run a, a million motions, like the kind of the short motion where it's either in or out, um, you know, with like the X receiver, they'll kind of just, or the Z receiver, they'll like short motion him. It's kind of cheese, but like, he's really good at understanding what that is giving him and what it's opening up. And he'll make that throw almost every time. Um, and I think that that's pretty valuable and he throws a pretty good timing on that. And then there are certain spots where like, he just understands leverage that he can attack. Like I was actually just charting the TCU game, uh, from last year, obviously there's at the very last second, one of the safeties, like kind of nudges inside of the number two, like 12 yards on top of him and gets into like an inside leverage. JJ sees it instantly throws the corner out. I was like, okay, like that's that type of stuff is like, that's NFL. Like you see an adjustment and you go make a throw. Like that's, that to me is impressive. Um, his arm talent, I think is the trickiest part for me to, to understand with him. Cause like in terms of RPMs spins it like he can, he can spin the ball. The problem to me is he does not have any touch whatsoever. Like he, he just doesn't, especially outside the numbers. Like when he's, if it's like man coverage and he's trying to throw a corner out where like the, the DB is like kind of playing under and, and trying to undercut it and you got to put over it. Can't do it. Like some of the throws that he's got to make in the flat because of touch can't do it. Um, some of the throws that he even has to make over the middle of the field, like down the seam, she can't do it sometimes. Cause he just doesn't have that like ability to put arc on the ball. And that to me is like really the, that to me is the mark of like good arm talent is a guy who could put arc on the ball and, and get it to fly where it wants to fly. JJ is more of a one speed thrower and that hurts him in, in a lot of instances, but for throwing dig routes and, and slant routes and some of the stuff over the middle, some crossers, it's really good. And he's really, really good at those throws. And I think that you can build an offense out of that. The Shanahan guys, have, <laughs> there's 10 of them that are doing it right now. And I think he would be really good in that offense. So he, he does do some stuff that bugs me. You know, I, I don't think his pocket movement is very good. Like I mentioned his arm talent, I think scares me outside the numbers. Um, and he's really small. That's the other thing. It's like Jaden Daniels, where it's like, ah, you might be 205 on a good day. And that's a little scary. Yeah. Um, so so he's he's a little scary to me in some sense. But the thing I will, the last thing I'll say that is different from Daniels, at least in that sense, JJ McCarthy's 20 years old, dude. Like he, there's at least more reasonable. I can talk myself into like, okay, he can add 15 pounds. He can mm -hmm. grow a little bit. With, with a guy like Jaden Daniels, it's like, all right, you're 23. You're, you're, we're probably 
closer to being maxed out here. Whereas at least I can talk myself into growth at JJ. Can the touch develop? Because I feel like it was Mike Leach or somebody who was talking about like there's just so much that goes into it. It's not just your arm. It's like your spatial awareness and understanding like when to use certain pitches, especially in a live game. Like it's a very hard thing to really adjust and be like I'm throwing a completely different throw. So is that something again, 20 years old, he's going to have a long runway. But is that something he can actually fix or is it one of those things where you kind of are what you are? I think it's a little bit you are what you are. And this is going to sound weird, maybe. I think the issue is that he's so long levered. Like his arms are so long for his frame. And you see some other even good quarterbacks that I think struggle with touch. Jared Goff struggles with touch sometimes. There are instances where Trevor Lawrence, for as much as I love him, can struggle with touch outside the numbers at times because he's this dude who is just so long levered that sometimes the way that the ball comes out, it's just not it's just not as as fluid as you want. Whereas you look at a guy like um Patrick Mahomes, like he doesn't have those super long arms, I don't think. Um, and it's kind of a little bit easier for him to get some some touch on stuff. So I think that's a little bit of his issue. When you combine that with being not one of the taller quarterbacks, I think when you're taller, it's actually easier. Like if you're obviously if you're taller, you have longer arms, but if it's more proportionate to your body, it makes more sense. Um but I think if you're taller, it's actually a little bit easier to get touched because you're kind of already higher, which if, like if that makes sense, like you're able to kind of throw down, which uh, which I think helps. Um, so between that and his arm talent, it's like maybe he can add a little bit, but I think he probably is going to be like this for a long time in terms of touch. Anytime I think I've even come close to getting the scouting thing down, I hear stuff like that, where just like physiology, where, yeah, he's got long arms. I'm like, I wouldn't even think to look at or write about that. That's that's why I have you on the show, buddy. That's so cool. Okay. Oh, yeah. No way. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you watch enough gangly quarterbacks, like you, you start to see that they look a little weird sometimes. <laughs> it's just something you pick up. All right. Now, Michael Penix Jr., someone who's stock – took a crazy shift between just a couple games. Obviously, against Texas, you saw he was balling out. Even said after the game that he was like, yeah, they were a little vanilla. Like, they were making it pretty easy. And then watching it, you're like, yeah, these guys are just going in too high. And not only are they just sticking with what they're doing, they're making mistakes. And they're kind of making it a little bit easier on him. Like, I know there was that throw in the red zone where I'm pretty sure one of the safeties thought he's in the deep half, looked like he was supposed to be taking the inbreaker. And then – what do you get? Michael Penix Jr. putting it on a line, throwing a touchdown. Then you also saw some of the deficiencies where he doesn't throw a lot over the middle, where you see like the funky footwork and the mechanics that are kind of weird. It's fine when he's throwing these dives and you're like, wow, we can overcome it. But then you see when pressure gets involved and you're kind of behind and the conditions are tougher, then it starts to look really bad. And, you know, obviously people went from saying, oh, we might sneak into the first or maybe even start to contend in the top 10 to be like, yeah, no, it's probably the day two guys. So what are your thoughts on Penix? Do you think some of the criticism or the, you know, the praise that he's gotten are a little overblown? Just where is he in terms of being a prospect and where you think he should be going? Yeah, to me, I, I don't get the first round stuff. And I'll even say before you even talk about what what he is as a player, he's an older prospect who's already played for five seasons and he's shattered his knees like three times. Or I think it's two knees and a shoulder. Like mm -hmm. that's a scary, scary injury history to be taking in the first round, especially for a guy who, who's so old. Like to, it was kind of my argument against Hendon Hooker last year where it's like this guy is so old and doesn't have knees, at least. Penix plays in like a little bit more of a legitimate offense than Hendon Hooker did. Cause that was like my third point with hooker that he played in the fakest offense in, in college football. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's already kind of my, my starting point with Penix. Um, 
but I think he has enough stuff. I, I have a third round grade on him. Like I, I think he's more of a guy, like a, a lower percentage dice roll, but in terms of the good, like he's pretty, I mean, his arm, I, you gotta, I guess you gotta start with the arm. Like he can really spin it. Like he just puts a ton of RPMs on the ball. He can throw it downfield pretty easily. Like it's kind of just a flick for him. And I think among all the passers in this class, Jaden Daniels might have like a prettier in rhythm deep ball, but Penix can just throw the hell out of it. Like even further, like he can absolutely put it 70 yards if he really wants to. So I I think that's going to go a long way for him. Um, He's actually a better athlete than I gave him credit for. Like when I watched him, especially last year and then even early this year, I was like, yeah, he kind of feels like a statue. And I think in terms of play style, he is. But when he wants to get active and start moving around the pocket, get outside the pocket, he can do enough where it's like, okay, he's probably going to survive. Reminds me of Dak a little bit in terms of his athleticism. Yes, yes. Where Uh it's like, I would say like current Dak. I think younger Dak had a little bit more to him. But like current Dak coming off of the injury like two years ago or whatever, where it's like, you're not scary, but you can do enough that we can get a couple of plays uh, on the move and, and, and scrambling and stuff like that. So I think that's a good, that's a good comparison. That's a good spot. Um, the, the last thing I'll say in terms of good stuff for, for Penix, the aggression is you, you respect it, man. Like I'll always yeah. respect the gamer, dude. Like he's, he's going out there and he's trying to throw the hell out of it. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> he's trying to make the toughest throws on the field. And, and I respect that. I respect the hell out of that. Um, and he's always willing to give his dudes chances. And like sometimes like people did this with like Andy Dalton with, with AJ green, where people were like, Oh, he just throws it up to AJ green. Yeah, dude, it's AJ green. Right. Throw him <laughs> the ball. And so Penix was doing that. Like, yeah, you have two probably first round receivers, just throw them the ball. Like, they're don't overthink it. Plays. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't overthink it. Football's really easy. Sometimes if you let it be easy. Um, and Michael Penix did sometimes. And I think, I, I think that was pretty admirable. In terms of the stuff that scares me a little bit, you already mentioned it. The pressure stuff, I think, is the biggest one. Like he, if he gets crowded, it, he just can't throw. And I think a lot of that is is his mechanics. It's it's kind of twofold. One, the when he throws, he will kind of like drop all of his weight, and so it kind of naturally lowers his release platform, which I think is always a little bit scary. And then he has a low release to begin with. Like he kind of throws almost at like shoulder level, which is really bizarre. And so he kind of just ends up with this low funky release where it's just kind of literally like physically hard for him to get the ball up and over defenders, uh, which is like, that's always the criticism with short quarterbacks. Right. But like, he kind of makes himself a short quarterback in the way that he throws. Um, And so, so that kind of scares me. The other thing kind of related to that, I think because he has such a low release, it kind of makes it tough for him to get touch on the ball because just the release point is so weird. Like when you're throwing so low, you kind of just end up like firing it right out of your, your shoulder. And it's really hard for you to like get the ball up and over and, and, and put some touch on it. That's why I think outside the numbers a lot, like on outbreaking routes, he's really good. If there's no receiver under, or there's no DB undercutting it. If there's somebody mm-hmm. undercutting it and he has to play against the sideline, it's tough. He probably overthrows a lot of those because I think he struggles with that. Um, even Sims on some of the deep crossers you'll watch this year, if there's a DB that can undercut it, he doesn't usually have the touch to put it over the top because that's just not the way that he physically can throw. Um, and kind of to the point of McCarthy, like, I, like, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to change that because that's just, it's literally just physically the way that he throws. So I think it'll be tough to change. Um, yeah, I think those are those are probably my biggest concerns with Penix. And I think they're scary concerns because, again, 
probably not going to change because like that's just the way that he throws the ball and and mm-hmm. when that's kind of your starting point it, it, you're going to kind of have to make up for it rather than fix it and that's always tougher with all the work the patriots have to do i think it's pretty fair to say that he's not a great fit especially considering you know you kind of want somebody in this new era of patriots football who you can depend on long term and with him, you've seen like how tough he is, how resilient he is. He's a great leader. There are a lot of things you like as a person, obviously, as a player. Also, a lot of things that scare you. So probably not going to New England, but this kind of put you on the spot. Where do you think would be a good or even like a perfect fit for him? Because I feel like he needs a really good offensive line. And there's not a lot of teams that I can think of off the dome who have really good offensive lines in a quarterback who can't really capitalize on them that's the thing it's like i don't exactly know like what landing spot i really would would want i what i will say is that the type of offense i would want him to be in is something like i mean actually i'll just put it this way a bruce arians offense like you want something like the 2015 cardinals you want something like the 2021 bucks where you know Mm -hmm. good offensive line play you have a receiver or two that you can kind of just go throw the ball up to. You do a lot of stuff that is going to be attacking down the field and giving him that kind of protection. So I think that's the style of offense you want to get, you know, just not sure you're going to get MVP Carson Palmer or, or Super Bowl winning Tom Brady. Fair enough. All right. Moving on to day three guy. Michael Pratt. Now, he's kind of an interesting one because I feel like people for a day three prospect really like him. He's got a lot of the stuff that you typically want in a quarterback. I haven't really gotten that deep into him, so I'm really curious to hear what your take is. He, to me, has some of like the the gamer qualities that you want yeah, out, of, out right. of a day three prospect. Like if you're going to – that's the thing. On day three, you're either going to want somebody who just has like crazy tools and you're like, dice roll, let's see what happens. Like, you know, he, he could be he could be incredible. We'll see. And if he sucks, whatever. We just move on. Right. Or you want a guy who like has some ability to where you're like, okay, he's going to be able to withstand it and make some plays in the NFL. Might not ever be great, but if somebody goes down, he can make some plays. That, I think, is more the the line that, that Michael Pratt falls into. He is tough as nails. Like, in the pocket, he's just very willing to, to stand in there and make some throws. And he's, like, an aggressive thrower. Like, he's willing to, if he thinks he's got leverage to throw a post, he doesn't have the greatest arm in the world, but he is going to try to throw that damn post. Like, he is going to try to attack and attack downfield, and I think that's, like, a valuable um a valuable trait to have that he's willing to make some of those throws. Cause in the NFL, like you got to have the confidence to make some of those throws. Even if you're not the most talented guy, you got to be able to, to make some of those throws and threaten some of those. So I think he has that. Um, and then he's like a pretty good athlete, not he's, you know, you don't really want to do that much designed run stuff and it's not going to be, you know, where he's scaring you that much as a scrambler, but like, in short yardage, he could probably be useful a little bit as a design guy, maybe like some quarterback power stuff. And then when he scrambles, he's a guy who um, can kind of fight for tough yardage. Like, he, he, you know, he'll be able to break a tackle or two at a time. You know, he's not going to outrun anybody and gain 30 yards. But again, he, he can make a couple of plays as a scrambler where it's like Taylor Heineke can go make a couple of plays. You know what I mean? Like he can do enough that he can keep the drive alive. And I think that that's really valuable. Um, and then I would say Pratt's accuracy is is. Again, it's not great, but I think he kind of gets over the baseline of like, okay, this is enough for a a functional backup NFL quarterback where I struggle with him is, is the arm talent. I I think it's, it's like below average. It's not horrible. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not going to completely sink him, but I think it probably limits him from ever being like a good NFL passer um, where he's probably going to end up closer into that, like 
Heineke-ish backup where it's like, this can work, but it's not great. Um, I, I think you especially see that when he's got to drive the ball outside the numbers. To me, I think that was, you know, that's kind of the theme I've had here is like the marker of arm talent is can you throw outside the numbers? I've said that with like right. three guys at this point, um, but he's one of them. So I, I think that's a little bit of, of an issue I have there. And then to me, some of his decision making is really bizarre like I, I appreciate that he is aggressive in certain instances but there are certain instances where it's almost like daniels where i i just don't understand some of the decisions that he's making and with pratt it's different than daniels daniels is more just like i don't understand why you turned that down pratt is more like i don't understand how you didn't see that guy there you know what i mean like it's a little bit yeah. more of like the he might run you into some issues because oh this looked open on the chalkboard <laughs> you know pre-snap <laughs> like pre-snap it looks good he just throws it anyway and and that works for him enough to like be functional, but there's going to be some really, really ugly moments because of that. So I, I think because of some of the tools that he has, some of the toughness, he can be a functional backup. I just don't know if he's ever going to develop into anything like super good. I feel like just from what I've heard, because I haven't gotten a chance to watch him yet, but he sounds like one of those guys where if he gets like a start in a system that's already really good, he can kind of make him look better. People are just going to fall and be like, oh, yes. my God, oh, yeah. like, why oh, is he not playing more, right? <laughs> A hundred percent, dude. That's really funny. And I mean, hey, I would I wouldn't mind that on the Pats. Like, you know, <laughs> they, they had such a weird quarterback situation. Just somebody who can get the fan base fired up. I think that's fine. All right, Derek. I've already taken up a lot of your time. I do want to ask you one more thing before we get out of here. Senior bowl obviously coming up. Are there any prospects that kind of jump out to you that we haven't talked about yet? Do you think people need to be keeping their eye on? Like one I've been thinking about is Spencer Rattler. I feel like there's been some buzz about him, but obviously had such a weird kind of career. I'm not really sure where he's at now. So, you know, if it's him or anybody else, who should we be watching uh, when the Super Bowl does come up? It's it's definitely Rattler um, mm. because he kind of falls into the other category of day three quarterback that I just talked about where it's like he's got the tools, man. Like he's the arm talent is unbelievable. At a certain point, he looked like he was going to be a first round quarterback. Obviously, some stuff kind of fell apart for him at Oklahoma for whatever reason, but he kind of put himself together a little bit. And I think he's still inconsistent in some ways, um, but I don't know. He He's definitely the one that I'm most excited to see like in the senior bowl environment. Cause some of the other guys I've seen, it's either like I'm not interested or I kind of already have a decent feel for what they are. And like, I'm probably not going to change my opinion that much on what, what happens here. Rattler is the one where it's like, okay, I think if he can have a really good week, I might open my mind a little bit more. This has been so much fun. I literally feel like a student, like in the best way. In that one class you have where you're just like, hell yeah, all right, we're going to gym. You know, like I'm, This has been awesome. I appreciate you always. Please let the people know where they can find you and if you got any stuff coming down the pipeline because you know I'll be on top of it. Yeah, you guys can find me uh, on Twitter at QB class. Uh, on the 33rd team doing NFL stuff, reception perception, doing some quarterback charting, and then obviously Bleacher, Bleacher Report for all my draft stuff. I only do the offensive skill players, but we have an incredible staff of, of guys who do the other positions and stuff. Um, the, the thing I'll say is coming down the pipe is my quarterback prospect charting is pretty close to I'm going to start rolling some of the individual profiles. I, I've already I'm already done charting Caleb. I'm like halfway done charting JJ. So I'll in the next couple of weeks, these are start to, to come out. I cannot wait. Thank you again, buddy. Thank you all for watching. As always, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we'll see you next time.